Welcome to the Word from St. Andrews, the weekly preaching podcast of St. Andrews Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Pastor D. Vaughn. I pray that this week's sermon will help you experience a life-giving and life-directing message from God. Give these next few minutes to Him that you may hear the Word from St. Andrews. I need to clarify one thing about Philip's excellent report. There is no causal connection between the commitment to improve the quality of what you hear in this room and my retirement plans. It may just be a coincidence, but it's not necessarily connected. I want to invite you to look in your Bible to the second letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll begin reading at verse 14. One of the statements of Paul that we turn to again and again when we think about what the Bible is and what God wants it to accomplish in our lives as followers of Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a difference between scarfing down your food and savoring the flavor of a meal. Swapping small talk is not the same as sharing your heart with another person. Noticing that the night sky is clear is a shallow substitute for looking up in awe at the majesty of God's creation. Just because you go to church doesn't mean that you necessarily enter into worship. And as I want to share with you today, there's a difference between reading the Bible and experiencing God's Word. Today we explore another of the ways that we can be transformed, truly changed from the inside out, saved by God's grace and growing in God's grace. As Baptist Christians, we are often called a people of the book. The Bible is our standard for faith and practice. We preach it. We gather to study it. 
But are we being changed by it? Does our time with the Bible change us that we, in answer to Christ's call, can then go and change the world? It can, I truly believe. If we will move from just reading the Bible to experiencing more of the transforming power of God's Word. Today I want to share with you how I believe that can happen for you and for me. Let's begin right here. Be still enough to hear. Some of you know Scott Smith. He is the Baptist campus minister at Lander University. I think he's been there since 1843. I think that's right. He's the longest serving campus minister I've, I've ever known. We were at Furman together and actually lived in the same apartment one year during our education. Well, I went to watch Scott play in an intramural basketball game while we were at Furman, and I saw him take a hard lick during that game. He collided with another player, and Scott fell straight back and slapped his head on the floor, you know. And uh, he got up and, and kept going. Well, before the game was over, Scott was acting a little strange. If you know Scott, change that to a little stranger than usual, but that's okay. But soon after the game was over, he was out of his head. He was babbling on incoherently, and at one point as we were walking out of the gym, he fell to the ground and was clawing at the grass, trying to hold on to the world because he was so dizzy he thought he was going to fall off of the planet. Well, the health clinic at Furman was closed, and so several of us good Samaritans and fellow apartment mates put him in a car and drove him down to the old Greenville General Hospital. It has since been demolished, but not because this happened. It wasn't just this. We get Scott out of the car, and he is still ranting and raving, and his eyes are wild, and we thought... He's going to bolt and get away from us, and we're going to be chasing him through downtown Greenville. But we got him into the ER, and the triage nurse comes and asks us a couple of questions, and we're explaining, yeah, we just, we can't settle him down. We, you know, he's just out of control, and we're worried about him and all of this. And she says, okay, 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 okay. She walks over to Scott, and his eyes are this big, and he's just going and talking and looking around. And she puts her hands on his shoulders. And she gives him a not-so-gentle shake, but a shake. And she says, hush! You've got to be quiet so we can help you. And he got quiet. That's a good ER nurse that knows how to do that. As long as he was frantic, there was nothing any of us really could do to help him. But he had to be stilled and quieted so that they could see his need and help him. He had suffered a concussion and was much better by the next morning, I'm happy to say. Well, many of us run through life as though we've taken a hard blow to the head. 
Our lives are an unending cacophony of noise and activity. And because we're so frantically busy and preoccupied, we don't experience the transforming power of God's Word. Because we don't hear the Spirit's invitation to hush. To be still enough to hear God speak. Those of you who've had little ones come into your lives and into your home, know about this. When, when our children were babies, there were two things that woke me up in the middle of the night. One was when they cried, and the other was when they didn't. I would wake up sometimes, and it was quiet, and that would unnerve me, and I had to go to the nursery to be sure my child was okay. So I would get up, Tiptoe, you certainly don't want to wake them up if they are asleep. And get into the room and, you know, they're so tiny and the, the, there's not much light. And I would, I would take my hand and, and put it down in front of their little face. And just feel their breath on my hand. Just feel the breath of life. And I knew they were okay. And... Uh, that, that was a holy moment for me. I, I, just, I just cherished that experience of being there and saying, here I feel the life of my child touching me right now. Paul tells Timothy that Scripture is God-breathed. He says in verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed. And what he means by that is just as God breathed life into you and me, he breathed life, truth, power into his word. And when you and I are still and quiet enough to feel it, we can feel God's breath flowing from the scriptures into our lives touching and changing us with His life. We can move from just reading the Bible to experiencing God's transforming Word when we come to the Scriptures in the spirit of young Samuel when he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We must be still enough to experience that. We must be still enough to hear. Here's a second way we can move from just reading to being transformed. Ask God to speak to you, not about others. The great reformer of the church, Martin Luther, said that one of the greatest temptations of the Christian life, and he said, and especially the ministry, is to change the gospel from the second person to the third person. 
What does that mean? Well, when we fall prey to that temptation, we start thinking of God's Word as a message about Him or her or them. Why don't they straighten up and fly right? Why don't they care? What's wrong with people? For God's Word to change us, we've got to realize that it's always in the second person when God speaks. He says, you. He's talking to me. The psalmist knew this. And as he cried out for God to transform his life, listen to how clearly he understood that what God was doing was about him. It was, it was to start the change of the world with changing him. He says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Some of us grew up singing a song that we especially would here around revival time in the spring or the fall. Lord, send a revival. You've sung, you sung that one? Lord, send a revival. Lord, send a revival. And let it begin in me. Exactly. If I want God's Word to change me, I've got to know that God doesn't send His Word to me to condemn someone else. He sends His Word to me to work in my life. Here's a new way we can move from reading to transformation. And that is recognize that new methods can reveal new meanings. There's a joke in our family. There are a lot of jokes in our family, and a number of them are about me, and that's okay. It's fine. I earned every one of them. You're on Interstate 385, as you're going, you get off 26, get on 385, as you're going toward Greenville, at exit 9 is the Walmart Distribution Center near Lawrence. I knew a man who worked there, and he told me, the amazing fact that that one building has 33 acres of floor space under roof. 33 acres. So, knowing that, one day when we drove by the Walmart distribution center with my children and my wife in the car, I said, you know how big that building over there is? That's 33 acres of floor space under one roof. Well, apparently, every time we went by the building, I must have said that. Because after a while, my kids would beat me to it. And not like a fun fact. It was really a kind of a sarcastic slur coming from the back of the van. Hey, Josh, you know how big that building over there is? Oh, I don't know. I'd say, what, 30, 32, 33 acres maybe? Under one roof. 
And I just grinned. Well, you know, I said, well, they're, they're listening to something anyway. But they knew what I was going to say. And I, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I earned it. But at that point in the journey, there was nothing else that could be said because we were so tuned in to what we'd always heard and said that there was nothing else that could enter into the conversation. I, I, after a while, I was just quiet when we passed it. Just listen to, you know, the fruit of my education, you know, just teaching them the truth. That same kind of thing can happen to us in our Bible study. And it can especially happen to us when we study familiar passages of Scripture. When we come to some passages, our hearts and our minds rattle off what we've always heard, what we've always said, and we don't actually hear it at all. We're so busy repeating the familiar that we don't listen for the new. What we know can become the enemy of what we need to know. How can we get past that? First of all, don't take 385 to Greenville. Find another route. That, that would probably be good. But you can discover new meanings of God's Word if you learn to approach the Scripture in some new ways. One is this. Read the Bible out loud. When you read out loud, you will notice words that your eyes skip over and don't really take into account. You don't read every word when you read, nor do I. But when you read it out loud, you do engage every word, and you'll experience more of the power of the passage. And you know if you read it out loud, you will remember more of what you've studied. Secondly, Study in a different translation once in a while. A new translation can help you hear God's Word as though for the first time. Sometimes, hearing a familiar passage expressed in slightly different words will unlock a new truth God wants you to experience. So use some other translations sometimes in your study. It can help you. And my favorite, put yourself in the story. Put yourself in the story. You don't know this about me, but I'll confess it to you. We've been friends a long time. I sometimes preach as a character from a biblical story. I've done that, so now you know that about me. I, I love monologue preaching. Because it helps me and it helps those who listen experience an old story in a new way. And that's a great thing to happen. But you can do the same thing every time you read a passage. Become a character in the story. Put yourself inside the scene and look around and think about the people who were there and the, the situation and, and what those people were facing. Like, what did, what did Noah think when he heard people banging on the side of the ark after the door had been sealed? How trapped did the Hebrews feel caught between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea? How desperate were they? 
What moved a little boy to give his lunch away and ended up feeding a multitude? What ran through the prodigal's mind as he plodded along that long, hard road toward home? How in the world could Paul write of hope and freedom with shackles on his wrists? Always in the company of a Roman guard, often in a prison cell. God's message to you can be new every morning. Experience that fresh meaning by learning to study in new ways. Next, wait upon the Word. A few years back, Linda and I were privileged to visit the Louvre Museum in Paris. And the visit was both wonderful and awful. It was wonderful because we were surrounded by room after room of artistic treasures, but it was awful because there was so much art and so little time that we felt like we were just walking past most of it without even appreciating it. That's the way we sometimes engage the Scriptures. We're in such a hurry. There seems like there's so much. We just sort of walk past it without appreciating what's there. Contrast that to the great writer Henry Nouwen. When he was preparing for a book that he wrote on the prodigal son, he sat in front of Rembrandt's painting of that scene for an entire day. From the dawning of the morning light till the setting of the sun, he focused on that one painting. He traced every brushstroke. He noted how the changing light at different times of day brought out different highlights and details in that painting. And only after he had waited, he began writing about the painting and writing about the parable. The scriptures are filled with treasures of life-changing truth, but we won't see them or be changed by them if we walk by them in a hurry. We must wait. We must watch. We must take the time to experience God's Word. The psalmist said, I wait for you, O Lord. You will answer. You will answer, O Lord my God. Manna from heaven is usually cooked in a crock pot, not a microwave. Experiencing God's Word takes time. This. Mark the milestones of your journey. The ending of the Gospel of John says this. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Do you know you need to write one of those books? And so do I. You need to record the truths that touch and change your life as you experience God's Word. Some use the front and the back of their Bible as a place to write down and remember such things. 
Others keep a journal on paper or on a computer. When you write down what you've experienced, you'll remember how often God has spoken to you and you'll be prepared to share those truths with others. So mark the milestones of your journey. And one more thing. Do the Word. Do the Word. My sister spent her career as a pianist, a church pianist and a piano teacher. In the years when she was studying piano, I remember how each year she would prepare a few of the works that she'd studied with her teacher to be ready to play those pieces of music before judges at a music festival. She did it every year. Those pieces of music couldn't just be read because you couldn't take the music with you. It had to be memorized. She played it again and again until that music was written upon her heart and could flow through her fingers, bringing the piano and that room to life with the composer's masterful design. Only then was the song truly hers and her work judged well done, which it always was. James writes this to us. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Your experience with God's Word cannot end with reading it upon the page. You and I must put it into practice again and again until His truth is written on our hearts, until it flows through our lives and fills the world with the beautiful sound of His love. Only then is His Word truly ours. And only then will we hear the applause of heaven. Don't just read the Bible. Experience God's Word. Allow it to change your life so you can change the world. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for the word that is written and given to us. But your word is also an experience. We believe that you speak to listening hearts when we worship. And sometimes what you say is a call to action, to take a step, to move forward in our journey. So give us just now hearts that hear and the courage to act. In Christ's name, amen.